Epic Turn is a podcast about the hobby gaming industry, what we love or hate about it, how it is evolving and changing, and other things that as gamers we are interested in. Your hosts are Brian McLemore, that's me, and Tim Aldridge. Welcome as we take our first ever Epic Turn. That was a great introduction, Brian. I appreciate it. So I guess our first episode, this is the first ever episode of Epic Turn, and we have to find a place to essentially a jumping point. And so to kind of kickstart us off i figured we'd talk about kickstarter oh you didn't just do that i i did i i really did <sighs> okay i got to go lean in the corner <laughs> for a little while so carry on anyway so you know we we've all backed some projects on kickstarter for those who don't know what kickstarter is it's a crowdsourcing website where anybody can put up anything interesting that they have and try to get funding for it and if you succeed you get money from people through amazon and you start working on your project what you what, your backers hope anyway no i mean and, and kickstarter really is great because you've ever you know been growing up and wanting a feature or something and you and you've not been able to uh, you've always said, I wish somebody would make something or I wish I can make this kind of thing. And, and Kickstarter finally gave those people an outlet to try to do something. I think it's more than just that, not just an outlet for, you know, people wanting to come up with these features. It also allowed companies who through their parent companies or through, you know, the giant corporations, if you will, they weren't able to get the funding and or the go ahead to make a product that they've been dreaming about. Yeah. Well, and yeah, it gave them the ability to, you know, kind of test the water, see if the interest was there and really just take more of a gamble on whether or not something was going to be successful. I think we've all had our gripes about how the various, you know, gaming industries or movies or music or whatever keeps doing the same thing over and over again, you know, and it's because that sells and they weren't sure the other stuff was going to. A great example, uh, Delta Green was a really awesome RPG uh, from Arc Dream. Uh, not from Arc Dream. Oh, yeah, Arc Dream. Yeah, it wasn't. No, no, no. Was it Arc Dream? Yeah, Arc. A-R-C. Yeah, I want to say it wasn't. Hold on. That was who to... did the uh, the novel. No, Pagan Publishing is the actual publisher. So let me start. Oh, okay, Arc Dream did the novel. That's what it is. Yeah, Arc Dream did Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, a really good example of that is Delta Green. It was a fantastic RPG put out by Pagan Publishing around like late 90s, early 2000s. It was Conspiracy, Call of Cthulhu. It was awesome. Loved it. All the source material was phenomenal. Well, the thing was is that it's really hard to get the books. But they they put uh, – Arc Dream Publishing came forward and decided to you know put out a book called Through a Glass Darkly. And when they did that, you know, they – they only said that they set the goal of 26,000. They hit it. They had a lot of backers. And then, you know, it's gone on to you know, revitalize like, the Delta Green. I wouldn't say it revitalized, but it brought new interest into Delta Green. I mean, I picked it up and read it. And I loved it. I'm um, really looking forward to, I hope, more books because, like I said, the fluff is just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, okay. Now, this kind of brings us to one of my criticisms about Kickstarter, though, at least in my mind. I don't know. When you back a project, you know, they give you some sort of reward, whether it's your name on a website, a shout out, you know, a pat on the back or uh, many products end up giving you basically a pre-order status where you get a discounted rate many times on buying the final product. It's the problem I think comes in when people try to treat it as if it was just a pure pre-order system, though. That's very true. Um, you know, the, like you were like we were talking a little bit before we started, you know, 
recording the main show here, we, you know, God, I got to stop saying that. <laughs> we know, we know. And nom, nom, nom. Nom, nom, nom. Uh, yeah, so, you know, mm. we, yeah, you know, don't worry, we turn it into a drinking game. The show get real, real fun real fast. Oh, no, I don't want to be known on the internet for, you know, the podcast that's a drinking game. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, right, no, so what ends up happening, though, is inevitably a project that you back is either going to take a lot longer than they said they would. In fact, I would say most take longer than they said they would. Because um, most people don't have the experience or the expertise to know how long someone's actually going to take. And even then, when you're dealing with a creative pursuit or something that has a lot of moving parts, it's almost impossible to estimate it accurately. Right? So uh, you have the project. I mean, that, that's. that's oh. Sorry. <laughs> no. <but laughs> no, yeah. So we have the project that's way too long, like, uh, like Pebble. Oh, Pebble is. That was about a year soon. A year or two, maybe. I I don't remember. I just remember giving him my money and not looking back. So that's kind of you have to treat them all right. You you give them the money. You hope it, and you hope what's going to show up sooner or later. Hopefully, around the time they said it was. That that that's the overall goal, and I have to agree with you. People treat it like a. Actually, I would not even say a pre-person. They treat it like a storefront almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, a great example. I backed a project called Quantum Role Playing from a, from guy named joshua frost he's been working on this thing i backed that back in 2011 so we're going on two years now and we keep getting updates keep on updates and however there's some backers that just are up in arms that the project's not done yeah he gave the estimate of i believe it was last year and it, he didn't deliver but there's nothing we can do about it i mean he has he, you know we all backed it we said we really want this if he's taking the extra time all i can hope is that it's going to be well worth it when i receive it but that's another great example of people are just wanting it now and not waiting. And to be honest, you brought up the point of getting it at a discounted rate. There are so many people that back these projects where they, you know, they do the stretch goals or they do the limited edition runs or the super awesome mega package 2009, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, you give them two, $300 on something that maybe would have cost you $50 when you went to your local game shop. And they, they expect that instant gratification. They want that pro- product then and now. And that, I don't know. I, I find it to be uh, – I, I, find, I find it to be kind of childish in some ways. Mm. It's I want it now. I paid for it. I want it now. And that uh, when, you, when you're doing something like crowdsourcing or you know, take a look at it from the companies that you know, do you know, investment firms or uh, mm. you know, companies that do investment firms or – they sit there and, you know, they um, capital investments, et cetera, et cetera. They, it's the same kind of deal. You know, they also, they understand, you know, there is, you know, there's print costs, there's the printer, what's happening if the run screws up. There's all that stuff that you have to factor in. And there's just some people that just don't do that. Right. Now, however, if you're patient enough, there is some gold in Kickstarter I've waited on. A great example. I mean, you and I played this. It was Miskatonic School for the Girls. Mm-hmm. Absolutely worth the wait. Absolutely worth the wait. Backed it. That was a great card game. It took a little bit long. It was their first game as a new studio. And, you know, they ran to some some trials and tribulations, but they gave us a very quality product at the end of it. Yeah. No, and uh, and of course, you know, we both love Cards Against Humanity. And that got its start as a Kickstarter. Well, they got the revitalization as a Kickstarter. It was already printed before that. I don't think so. Was it? Yes. A couple of our friends were telling us about it before and we went looking for it we couldn't find it and then all of a sudden it was on kickstarter 
and that's when we all kind of were like, oh, wow, it's coming back. But it is one of the biggest Kickstarters on the market now. <laughs> well, and what's funny is it only uh, it only had 758 backers with a $15,000 raised. That is kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I mean by word of mouth, I mean word of, oh my God, what did you just say? It's pretty crazy when you think about it. Uh, They didn't, they didn't even make $10,000 by their, and they they had 10 days left, 10 days left, you know, so it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. And they, and the fact that it's technically a free game, you don't even have to pay for it, but how popular it's gotten is pretty amazing. I mean, you own a set. I own a set. Mm-hmm. A lot of people own a set. <laughs> I, I took it over to a friend's house. They played two games, and then uh, one of the couples in the group bought a set. You know, <laughs> that happened with us too. I I brought it over to a party. Mm-hmm. They played one hand, and instantly people were ordering them on Amazon while we were sitting there playing the game. Yeah. Huh. So so what it looks like we kicked with uh, Cars Against Mandy though is that they actually had started as just a free to play PDF download game. And they use Kickstarter to fund the initial, the first print run. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, they they had they had created as a as a New Year's party game. Oh, that's epic! And then uh, they were giving it away on their website, and they used Kickstarter to fund the the uh, yeah the first the first run. And they only made they only raised fifteen grand. Well, I mean, all you need is fifteen grand for that card game. Yeah, and there's was, not much to it. There's not much color difference. It's black <laughs> and white. Um, and wow! And they actually they actually ran for sixty days. Oh wow! Sixty days and no one backed it. Wow! I mean, sorry, not no one backed it, but seven hundred fifty eight people backed it. And they barely cleared the goal. Yeah, and you know, you're talking. They they had a little bit of a little bit of history down here. It says uh, they had a ten thousand dollar challenge. They said, "Help us reach ten thousand dollars in our last ten days." Oh wow! Yeah, so that's insane. Just to, yeah, I mean, and I would say Cards Against Man is probably one of the biggest uh, success stories from Kickstarter. It is definitely one of the biggest ones. I mean, when they put out their year in review last year, wasn't it? That it was like Cards Against Humanity, one of the top sellers on Amazon, raised is now worth this much money. Has raised, has printed this many games. It's like wow, and you know, we all heard about it through other channels. It's mm-hmm. insane. But that's the great thing about Kickstarter. I mean, you know, that we get these cool things that come out of it, like Cars Against Humanity. Yeah. You know, and we've we both backed in, you know, there's such a wide variety of things. I've seen everything from Kobe beef jerky to, <laughs> uh, which I almost backed. That looks so tasty. Uh, all the way, you know, to all these different games that we've played. Um, but I really think its biggest marked impact on what we're talking about here, though, is the going through the the vendor floors at like PAX or uh or uh, Gen, Con. Gen Con, yeah. You know, you go through these vendor rooms and you see Kickstarter logos either backed on Kickstarter or back us on Kickstarter and you see everybody doing this. You know Yeah. It's all, a great way to fund. Yeah. Well I do have one concern though is that I, I see, you know, some very successful shops. Mm-hmm. doing Kickstarters, and I think they're doing it for the publicity more than the fact they need the money. I, I don't know about that. I mean, take a look at a company like Cool Mini or not. They put Zombie Side on Kickstarter. It got huge. It was a new IP for them. They didn't know what it was going to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's so much publicity. I think it's they want that surefire shot that they know it's going to do well. I mean, if, if it were me and we had a new IP we wanted to come out with, what's the best way to test the waters and ask people if they actually want to see it? You know, if people don't want something, they're not going to throw money at it. 
No, and that's true. And I mean, admittedly, when you're talking about a medium-sized studio, you can sink or swim on one big successor flop, right? Right. You know, if you spend all your war chest to fund and print a game that no one buys, you're probably done. Most likely. Or you're about to go back to your, you know, your shareholders or you're about to go see a loan officer see if you can't get more money. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess what I'm talking about, those more like companies that are bigger, though, like Catalyst, you know, is pretty large. Um, And you have some of these other ones, like if we ever saw AEG uh, on uh, on Kickstarter, I would kind of go, huh? Well, okay. If you want to go, if you want to go to that level, I I can understand and I can see that. Yeah. But the same thing has happened in the in the digital world. Take a look at Obsidian Entertainment with Project Eternity, Planescape. Those are big studios. Mm-hmm. This was something that they didn't, you know, they wanted. They want the public to fund it. They wanted to get the public interest. Now those turned into two to three million dollar Kickstarters. We're talking something on a little bit, you know, smaller scale. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, although we have seen some that are getting really big. Like uh, I backed um, what the hell is this name called? Uh, Machine of Death. Oh, Machine of Death looked amazing. Yeah, they they wanted twenty three grand. They raised over half a million dollars. True. Well, take a look at something like uh, Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Uh, sorry, hold on. I meant to click the link and it didn't open when I was talking. Uh, take a look at Call of Cthulhu. You need to learn how to talk. I know, right? Uh, take a look at Call of Cthulhu. It's it's going for a seventh seventh edition print, right? It, they only wanted forty; they're already at two hundred and fifty with fifteen days to go. Mm-hmm. That's an established IP. That's a company that you know has has that funding. They, I mean, Call uh, Chaosium has been around for a long time. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I can understand what you're saying, but at the same time, you know, I, I think it's a good thing for some of these big companies before they want to take the gamble on, you know, the R&D for the game, uh, the print costs, the print run to ensure that they're going to get that money back. They're going to ensure that they're I mean, they're going to ensure that they're going to get their money back and that they're this is something the fans want. No, and I, I do acknowledge that. And I see why from their point of view they would do it. I guess I worry that it's going to stifle out the innovation and make it a harder place for the smaller people to come to, you know, like how are you going to get exposure for your small thing you're trying to do when people like Penny Arcade or Double Find are in there doing their, their projects? I think that's all based on, you know, your, your own promotional ability at the same time. Also the good thing that I I like, and especially in the hobby industry, we see this all the time, you know, companies or even you know the small developers all help each other out right you know if people give shout outs to everybody when it comes to those things mm-hmm. i mean great example i mean you know i talk to my friend aloy a couple times you know a couple times a week and i find out everything that's going on with his studio and i was telling him about you know this idea for epic turn he was on board for it because it you know it's another voice out in the community you know promoting our industry and i said you know how do you how do you get it through? I mean, because you know, Third Eye Games started off as just him, mm-hmm. and now he's you know he's writing for other studios. He's helping out on so many projects. He goes, the thing is, is that that's what I do. Is I promote the inside the industry. You know, I promote other games, and I think that's the biggest thing. As long as these companies, even the big ones, I mean, take a look at you know Cryptozoic. They just finished Hex. Was it closed at two point two million? on its end day. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. Right. And that's for a digital version of a card game. 
yet you know they you know anybody that gave them a shout out they gave it right back mm-hmm. and i'm not saying cryptozoic is not one of the huge players in the field but yeah, you, you don't publish a game that was as popular as you know uh, the warcraft card game and and not have a name out there true but th- what i'm saying is that even they had to take that gamble and they just happened to make it uh, i actually that point is totally irrelevant <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, I understand what you're saying. It, it does. I, I can acknowledge that it might stifle competition a little bit from the the indie crowd. But that's the beautiful thing about Kickstarter now is that it is raising up the indie crowd. I mean, take a look at uh, Through the Ages that uh, that one game that you guys played. Uh, at oh Gen man, Con. I still am so torn about the game. I know people are saying it's great, but it was just so weird. I probably needed more games. It might it might be weird. But it's number four on Board Game Geek. Yeah. As one of the best games of all time. And that was completely indie. It was under the radar, but they still made it. They yeah. still are making it. And that was, mm-hmm. and they went up against some of these bigger companies. No, well, you know, uh, events like Gen Con really do a lot to settle the playing field. You can come in as an indie dev and, or any person. As long as you got a little bit of backing like you can get from Kickstarter, you can get a decent space on the, on the floor. And you're going to be right down the hall from Wizards and some of these other big names. So, it, yeah, I think that helps, too. Agreed. Yeah. I, I, I just don't I, I just can't say that just because the bigger companies are playing in the Kickstarter space that that's going to completely stifle all competition. OK, not all competition, but you, you get where I'm coming from. It's just a concern I have. No, I, 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 I'm not saying it's not justified. <laughs> I think if, uh, in some cases, yes. And but the, the, here's the other thing is that. You know, it will stifle it. But then there's also that question, you know, there are other people who are saying the same thing as we are, is why do you need to come to Kickstarter? It's an interesting question. It would be a question I'd like to ask someone like Cryptozoic. They, with the Hex card game, they had all the money from the WoW card game. And yes, it was a gamble for them. They knew that was something that they wanted to do. They were building it. It's been in development for a while. Yeah. That, the extra little funding, does it help a lot? Or is it just to make sure that you have, you can go to your board, you know, go to the board meeting and say, yes, guys, we are, we are absolutely certain we can, mm-hmm. we, we can make it. Well, and so and one thing, you know, cause I've thought about, you know, if I were to put something on Kickstarter, what would I do? You know, and the whole pre-order concept, it would be, essential, you know, because people want to walk away. If they're going to give you any kind of substantial amount of money, they might give you a buck or five without expecting something tangible in return. Right. But they, they're they going to want the product if they're going to give you 10 or 20, 50, several hundred or whatever dollars, right? Right. So one of my concerns is, okay, if I get 30,000 people on Kickstarter to back my project, mm-hmm. raise tons of money, mm-hmm. A good chunk of that money is going to go into the R&D. Then there's all the production costs to finish the product. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to ship it out. And then I might not have much of anything left. Okay. Is residual sales going to be enough? Or did I find the only 30,000 people on the planet that would buy what I was trying to sell? That then comes down to you being able to promote yourself. Yes. Going to places yes. like that. I know Jack. you have to pimp yourself out. <laughs> yes, we understand. You you have to be a little bit of a you know commercialized whore to make it in the industry. But you know, I, I just have to wonder. You know how much. You know, because there's the whole release a game, get, get that big payday at the end. I guess it really changes the dynamics of running one of these kind of enterprises. Well, I guess I guess we'd have to see like the breakdown. I wish a Kickstarter would post the breakdown of. You know, here's how much it costs to do this. Here's how much it costs to do that. And here's kind of what we're left over to help us either keep the lights on mm-hmm. or fund our next game. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. 
I mean, great example, Miskatonic School for the Girls. The money they had left over from that went into Flame War. And mm-hmm. then they did the Flame War Kickstarter. From that money, helped them do Castle Dice. Now from Castle Dice, you know, that money is getting towards probably their next project. Yeah. And eventually, you know, you'd hope they could get to the point where they wouldn't necessarily – they may still do Kickstarter for all the other things that it does. That's good. But they might not have to do it. That would be the hope. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a great promotional tool in itself as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Didn't at PAX this year they have a Kickstarter room? They did. Yeah. I believe so anyway. That's that's what yeah. I heard uh, Cards Against Humanity talking about. Oh, wow. Okay. No, yeah. I did. I thought I heard something about it, but I was not certain on it. Yeah, it was all, it was all for vendors and companies that got their start on Kickstarter. Oh, wow. So Cards Against Humanity was a big part of that room, and they were doing they, – they were trying to promote other companies to come out. I could see that. I mean, it's a great promotion. The other, the other, I think the other hard part is, especially in the hobby industry, and I mean, this is an episode way later down the road that we want to talk about, you know, local game shops is, you know, going from the Kickstarter point to selling into the local game shop and dealing with distributors and that, like, does the money you raise enough, you know, from a Kickstarter actually help you to get to that point where you can start distributing a product out to, you know, major 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 shippers like Diamond and the such. Yeah. Well, you know, you have to make sure that the money you get from a Kickstarter is enough to not only, you know, fund and produce enough copies to service your pre-orders, but also enough so that you can try to sell that way or minimally go to a con with enough stock to sell enough to do another print run. One would hope, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> – I mean, uh, the one of the back – uh, one of the – companies i backed which was again I, I keep talking about it i love their products again the guys who made flame wars and uh castle dice they talk all, all about that school for girls i know i am all for miss school for the girls i love the reverse deck building mm-hmm. but that's a topic for another time oh uh, yeah well we can touch on it now you don't but yeah that is a really cool mechanic where you actually you know troll your other you know your your opponent's deck with uh, bad cards it's kind of fun it's a it's a great concept. Well, anyway, yeah, it's a shame we haven't seen it again. It, I believe it's on a shelf collecting dust. That's also because uh, our own board game group has grown to the point where we can no longer play games that only contain. You know, uh, no, our, no, I'm talking about not the game. I'm just talking about the mechanic. Oh, the mechanic. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, I wasn't being so you know negative and doom and gloomy there. <laughs> That's, I'll leave that to you. Yes, thanks. Uh, no, the, I. That is an interesting mechanic, you know, because everybody now is still doing the typical, you know, build the deck, play the cards, get the honor, mm-hmm. call, call, you know, get the points, get the honor, get the whatever and call it a day. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, one thing I was going to say from them is, you know, I love seeing the the updates where like we're going to Origins this week. Come see us at Origins. Come, you know, hang out with us. Let's talk about gaming. That's the one thing about Kickstarter I've really enjoyed. Like when we were at Gen Con last year mm-hmm. which by the way we're gonna be at gen con this year look for us we probably won't be recognizable but hey yeah, we're a bunch of nobodies it's okay yeah. for now yes. hopefully Lit- small fish in a huge pond subscribe to this podcast i think that's all we have to say no please uh, no, sorry, <laughs> no but at gen con last year you know we tried a bunch of the kickstarter games like uh, oh yeah no we played tons of games we spent three days wondering the dealer room it was awesome yeah, just playing just playing the games on the floor we yeah. we never even did events really minus ascension we never really did no, we did a two-headed tournament oh, that was fun yeah that was fun i'm going to do true dungeon this year that's going to be awesome it's going to be awesome uh, however that's all we did and I, we had so much fun trying new games that you know we mm-hmm. either missed that kickstarter at the start or they were that was our first time on the floor 
but that the the attitude of come talk to me about my game come talk to me about gaming i love that i love that mentality i've seen a lot of people who are doing kickstarters a great ex- another great example the Suntals of the multiverse started on kickstarter and they had a huge booth at Gen Con, a lot of people playing, a lot of people trying the expansion. And they were asking people, like, what can we do to make this better? Now, given that's what you should be doing at a show, but as we saw even while walking around, that's not always what happened. Some people were like, play my game, buy my product, or get out. You know, we had we had a couple of those vendors. No, we're not going to name companies. <laughs> if we do, we're going to bleep them because we don't want to get hate mail. Bleep. <laughs> But, you know, that's what we, you know, that's what we experience. That's what I love. And I love that a lot of the hobby people, a lot of the hobby companies who are stepping up and going to Kickstarter are those kind of people that want to talk about their game. Because mm-hmm. what's worse is oh, like the guy we spoke, the guy we talked to about Mage Wars. Oh, love. I don't think they were on Kickstarter, but that just, you know, it was awesome to sit there and just bullshit with the guy. Yeah. And to find out that, you know, they were they were really enthused about their game. They wanted to invest in it. That mm-hmm. was a good feeling. Yeah, and I, w- I wish more companies did that because there's one thing I dislike more than anything else is feeling like the opinion that I give for a game doesn't matter. Which it probably doesn't. It really doesn't. If no, someone okay. if they don't, they don't like just what make you me say. feel like it does. Right. Then I'm okay. Just 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 talk to me. Tell me everything's going to be okay. Yes. Yeah. Stroke the back of my hand. Slap me away, and it's all right. No, but. <laughs> <laughs> However, the the whole idea about that that wine to give into the community was is I think key to the growth of it. I mean, another great example: the guys who uh, Gary, not Gary Games, um, the guys who now own U, USF. Yeah. Uh, sorry, UF. Yeah, UFS. Sorry, uh, UFS. The guys who own UFS. They were, you know, they were talking to me. I used to be a judge way back in the day when it was owned by Sabretooth and when I moved to Fantasy of Flight. And they were picking my brain because they were old UFS players like me. And they're like, what like, what'd you like, what you didn't like? I love that. that I'm just saying, I, I can't stress this enough. Please, if you are a game designer, please listen to your people. And for the love of all that is holy and unholy, be open to feedback and criticism. Especially from us. Yeah, don't listen to us. <laughs> As it is said in our own gaming group, tip number one, do not listen to Brian and Tim. They will probably screw you over in no, a game. No, I, I always tell them the truth. You're the shady one. No, I always tell the truth. You are the con artist. I do no such thing. Yes, you do. You just hate it because it works for me more than you. <sighs> That's because after I've won a couple games, people don't listen to me anymore. Anyway, we're getting off topic. But they still listen to me, and I still win most of the time. Well, maybe not most, half the time. Yes, because I get screwed over and my grand plan fails. Anyway. <laughs> Which but, is the whole point of me playing. Sorry. Uh, we're going to edit that part out. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll edit that part out. Don't worry about it. No, but uh, like I said, I, the other part of Kickstarter that I absolutely love, and this is this is you know another topic that I want to touch on way later because I, I feel you and I can talk about this uh, for ages. Is the hobby to I mean the hobby going from analog to digital for some of the major titles such as you know Small World Ascension, you know in two days. Uh, sorry, on in. Uh, that's a great sound effect. <laughs> um, yeah, in two days, I know that. What, what is it? Uh, one of the, Agricola. In two days. Uh, Agricola, yeah. No, actually, uh, tomorrow is Agricola. New, is it? Yeah. Playdex releasing Agricola next. Nice. Year, on the I don't know. June. 
my general thought about that is it is it's going to help casualize the hobby industry. Um, you know, the whole hobby gaming, because a lot of these games are pretty hardcore. You know, they're big money investment. You have to have a lot of setup time. And let's face it, we've lost even some serious gamers if setup time goes too long. Uh, so the, the digitizing, turning those into iPad games or computer games, is going to take that setup and eliminate it completely. It's going to allow you to do asynchronous games. You don't have to worry about leaving a game board up. Stuff like that, right? So it's going to help casualize it to the point where you might have more people playing these games than we ever had before. And that's probably a good thing. I think it's a very good thing. Uh, you know, there were a couple of our friends who disliked tabletop when it first came out. Because mm-hmm. it, you know, it started bringing... <laughs> they didn't like the fact that Will Wheaton was doing it. I think right. it was the most complaints I ever heard. Well, Will Wheaton's but, a very polarizing figure. Yeah, she either love or you hate him. Mm-hmm. However, I had a, you know, one thing I really enjoyed about watching those, you know, the various YouTube videos he's put out for it is he did touch on some really good and classic games in the hobby. And it, it showed, you know, hobby gaming in a different light. It showed, you know, getting with your friends and playing board games. And we're not talking Monopoly or Risk, you know, the, the games oh, maybe we, Risk. Maybe risk, but okay. we're talking like <laughs> just, things like just, Ticket yeah. ticket to Ride, Sellers mm-hmm. of Catan, Zombie Dice, those kind of games. It showed that this is fun and this is awesome. And then Target started carrying them and it brought more people into the hobby. And what my point to correlate with that is, yes, the digitizing of these more complex games, I think, brings more people in. I mean, great example. We got people addicted to Ascension in our office. I mean, how yeah. at one point we had what twenty, thirty games going. Yeah, it got to it got to a point it was almost excessive. It was insane. Yeah. And then what happened? We one day brought in the actual game of Ascension, and people had fun playing it. Mm-hmm. And we got people excited about playing Ascension. Yeah, those same people would have never sat down with us to learn how to play the card game. They never would have. No. But, you know, and that's an, uh, essentially the card game versus the iPhone game actually brings up a, uh, another point. Um, it's harder to mess up the rules on the game, right? You have to – all the rules have to be programmed in assuming there's no bugs or anything. You, you yep. We actually use the game on the iPhone to clarify how we were playing the board game. That's very true. We did. Uh, yeah. There was a couple card interactions that we were unsure of, and we basically we, had yeah. to go off of the <laughs> yeah. way the iOS works because you have to, like you said, you have to program them in. The mm-hmm. rules are set in stone in a sense. Yeah. So, you know, it's. Uh, I think that's another kind of neat factor because some of these games we've played, let's face it, the rule books are not the strong suit. No. No, that that yeah. yeah. There's a there's a lot of games that need a very good rule book, which compliments the Mage Wars. That rule book is very thorough. Mm-hmm. Like down to the weird niche case elements of that game are in the rule book. Yeah. And and congratulations to Gary, you know, that finally got a decent rule book and an ascension set with the most recent one. Yes. Uh, the first one, I, I still remember us trying to. We we played the game completely wrong for the first like month. Yeah, that was tough. Yeah. It took it took actually someone new going in, going, "You guys are dumb." I was yeah. going, "Well, you know what? That actually makes perfect sense." Yeah. <laughs> and then the game got a lot more fun. Yeah. And now it's banned. <laughs> uh, it's banned on our board game nights for for the reason of thirty minute solitaire. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, when you did like a thirty minute turn, I did a forty five minute turn. The next time we played, we were just like, "Yeah, that's it. That's it." That's However, it. I will I will say the new ascension set is amazing i love it i it's not solitaire which is great mm-hmm. actually i'm probably gonna play a game tonight just sitting down uh 
with the girlfriend and you know she's getting into it she's ready she's excited about going to worlds of gen con oh oh yes (laughs) there's gonna be five of us at worlds of gen con i don't know i i've I've got to maintain my uh at least amongst our group our first place finish though yes you have to yes Uh, either either i will be shamed you will be actually i will actually i'm just gonna shame you regardless i'm gonna throw a rotten tomato at you (sighs) i knew it sorry Eh. Mm. They, they say it's good for the eyes yeah, but no, I mean back on. To, sorry, guys. Just to let you know, we all Brian and I are very tangent talkers. We don't keep our points exactly in line with what we're doing. So I'm so we, cutting this out. I know you are. Yeah. So we <laughs> we rewind this a couple times. Don't don't fret. Um, but no, I mean the digital stuff is absolutely amazing. Like mm-hmm. I'm really excited about Small World Two. Yes, we yeah. have Small World, but I'm excited about Small World. II. It's a six. It will support yeah. so many more players. Well, and and that's a, a great example of a game that really benefits from being digitized, because we can't. Why have we not played Small World more at board game night? A lot of setup because there's a bajillion pieces, technical mm-hmm. term, and they <laughs> it takes forever to put it all up or set it all up and then take it all down when you're finally done. And you know, as much as I love the game, it's it's really is a pain in the ass to play. Right. I think we're gonna I think we're losing fans. We're 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 saying we'll prefer a digital version over a cardboard version. No, no, we love cardboard. We love cardboard crack. We love it. We love it. We love yeah, it. I'm injecting some right now. <laughs> no, uh no, well okay. We never got around to talking about the bad side of digital games. You know, right. and there is some, you know, you have the face to face interaction that you miss. Because uh, many times you don't have to be sitting around the same computer. You can be in different parts of the country, you know, and that makes it convenient, but not very social in a lot of ways. Right. Of course, you know, with Ascension, at least we can, you know, look at each other the next day at the office and want to kill each other because the game went one way or the other. But, yeah, you know, we really when it comes to the digitization of these games, you lose the social aspect, the tangible feel you can uh, you can while you're forced to follow the rules in the game. What we've seen a lot of times is you don't understand the way the game actually works. You're right. just following these shiny boxes that tell you what to drag. It it plays the game for you in a sense. You don't learn how to strategize. Mm-hmm. Like you know, uh, Ticket to Ride is a good example. Like uh, it's hard to figure out how to strategize as someone who started playing on the iPhone first. Right. You know, uh, I'm looking forward to actually getting it and playing against people. That then I'll be able to figure it out better. Well, it's the same way when you started learning Carcassonne. We played Carcassonne first on iOS, mm-hmm. and then we actually broke it out when we had you know a lot of people over. And yeah. what happened? You played Carcassonne way differently now online than you ever did before. Mm-hmm. I think they complement each other. Neither is necessarily better than the other. I agree. I mean, the one honestly, the one thing I don't like about the digital version over you know playing with a group of friends is that social aspect. Mm-hmm. You touched on it. I I, I kind of have to put in my two cents. I you two cents never never. Uh, it's more like twenty five. No, mm-hmm. I'm I two love bits. the social. I love the social aspect of gaming. It's one of the reasons I love GMing. It's one of the reasons I love rolling dice. It's one of the reasons like I like like you and I have discussed this. You know, four hours for an RPG session compared to an eight hour RPG session completely different. And I, I those are things I, I love about gaming is that social aspect. Because let's be honest. Four-man Spartacus, starting from <laughs> starting from Influence One, all the oh. way up 
through the whole night. That was what six? No, that was it was about six hours. It was six hours, and oh man, that was such a and game. The, and here's the most important thing: is because those the four of us will always remember the epic turns we all had. Yeah, we we all backstabbed each other. I don't know. Speaking of Spartacus tangent again, I think it was probably the biggest surprise of any game I played at Gen Con. I actually walked by that booth for two days, didn't stop, didn't look at the game because I thought it was just going to be a merchandised POS. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing, to be honest. That's why I didn't stop. Mm-hmm. You know why I finally stopped? Hmm. I had been walking for three days and I really wanted a chair. Oh, yeah, that's right. You told me that. <laughs> like, I finally, like, I remember you coming up to me and going, so I got this great board game and you're holding it in your hands. I'm looking at you going, why did you buy Spartacus? He's like, you were like, I needed a place to sit. So mm-hmm. the used car salesman sold you, um, you know what? Okay. And then we actually played it. We had a lot of mm-hmm. fun. It has great mechanics. The arena combat is absolutely yeah. the, the most hilarious and exciting adrenaline pumping mm-hmm. part of that game. I've I mean, never seen a game before where you're actually standing up around the table, like not even not just to the two people fighting, but everybody like cheering the dice rolls. I have to agree. Mm-hmm. There's so much thrills to that combat. I mean, how many like you said this is a few times where we've actually stood over the board minus power grid because mm-hmm. well, that's the power grid you just have to have a you have to stand up to see the whole damn thing. Well, there's that and there's the arguing aspect and planning out your board. Anyway, yeah. but Spartacus all, you know, you have to, we play Spartacus probably different than other groups or maybe we play it the same way. When we get to gladiator combat, mm-hmm. two players standing on opposite sides of the board and the other two players are sitting there going, hmm, how? Yeah, and the betting mechanic keeps everyone invested. It's really not, it, also, I, I will say, I don't think I've ever seen another game and you might be able to correct me on this, but I've never seen another game that lets you lie. Uh, Diplomacy would like to say hello. <laughs> okay, I haven't played Diplomacy. <laughs> Game of Thrones would like to say hello. <laughs> I'm not talking about Bear Island. Okay, sorry. Yeah, but anyway, but you know what I mean. Like it actually lets you lie. And you yeah. have to pay for that, not in a game mechanic, but politically with your with your opponents. Yes, very much so. That that I thought was absolutely amazing. Like one of my favorite moments that of our group playing was do you agree to help me out? Yes, I'll give you eight coins to help me out. Okay. And you're like, okay, I play this card. You give me your influence. Guess what? I'm not giving you those eight coins. Mm-hmm. And the other player's like, what? Like, sorry, guy. In the rules, it says I'm allowed to do this all day long. Yeah. You know, and you probably didn't get help from that person again, did you? Yeah. You helped me out three turns later. Yeah. I probably need you for something. It was probably, yeah. I think it was for, I think it was for a high influence card. Uh, go figure. How but you know what I mean? It was, it's, uh, right. it was, it was a great, it was a fantastic game. Mm hmm. Uh, now to come back to that. Oh, oh, but side note. So we've talked about Gen Con some. I'm going to go and put this out there. If you are a publisher and you're not well known or you have a questionable product and you want people to stop, you know, and actually pay attention to what you're doing, put a chair out. Put Get a low table, put two chairs on either end and teach people how to play at a table with a chair. People will stop. People will stop. I mean, that's I mean, half the time we did stop because of that. However, I will say another thing. If you really want to get people involved, don't drown on drone on i will tell you this right now we had a couple rpg people i'm not saying anything bad it was just to get me in interested in your system show me stuff show me art show me character sheets show me show me why i mean like great 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 team the shadows over esterbin esterbin uh whatever. yeah that's french yeah that's french no, they like we walked by. We saw the poster. Like, wow, that looks really neat. And what did he do? He walked him and said, "Low gothic horror." What? 
low gothic horror, and then that was it. You had, after you changed your underpants, you know, everything uh, changed completely for you. That yeah, it did. It uh, was amazing. Mm-hmm. But that's how they got us in, and we talked about it, and it was great. So get a table and a chair, and have an awesome <laughs> presentation for the players that are coming to you. Yes, something you and, need to show them, not just right. not just uh, try to tell them, oh, this is great. Yeah. I, mean, I will say this right now. There were so many of those that it you know, was sad. Yes. I mean, that's, yeah. Or you can always go for the classic dress, either male or female up in skimpily clad costumes and put them in front of your booth. Uh, I do not endorse this. We don't endorse this. However, we did see some of that at Gen Con. And there were some people stopping talking to them. I don't know what they were selling, but. I don't remember either, to be honest with you. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Anyway, anyway back, <laughs> on the, back on what we were saying is, you know, we've, we've done this whole big talk uh, about Kickstarter and really what it gets down to is it's it's done some wonderful things for the hobby. It's brought in new companies, new ideas, mm-hmm. some very rep- surprising successes. Like, I'll be honest, when you when you told me you bought a game called Miskatonic School of Girls, I, I, I just had to stop and say, huh? You know, why would you do that? Because it was on Kickstarter and it's Cthulhu based and I am a Cthulhu junkie. That's not the word I would use, but we'll go with that. You do not want to mark this as adult. So we're going to go with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, it turned out to be a great game. Good find. Um, you know, hopefully we can continue to find a lot of good ones. I think, you know, as a regular occurrence on the show going forward, we're going to stop and talk about. Uh, some of the stuff we've seen over the, over the week or you know the preceding weeks uh, that's new on Kickstarter. It's a it's such a big treasure trove of good content. Yeah, I I have I, 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 I am so will, keeping that in. No, you're not. I will actually be you know I I look at Kickstarter probably once a week where week? I just see what's new. Once a week, I a week? it was it used to be like once every day. I, I've cut down to like once a week. Because my wallet said I needed to. Yeah, they've gotten a lot of my money too. In our show notes, I you know we're going to link everything we talk about so that we are giving back to the community, helping these guys out. And I will say, yeah, the, at least every week we're probably going to bring up something we've seen on Kickstarter. I have no doubts about it. Like you know, I'm re- still like ending right now, and by the time this airs, it's going to be way too late for anybody to look at it. But like ending within the next two hours is a game that I'm so torn. I kind of want it. Which one? Euphoria, build a better dystopia. I saw that. I didn't back it. I hope they're going to be at Gen Con. I want to try that game out. They got 300 grand of their 15 grand goal, so they should be doing okay. Let's make a good assumption that they'll probably be at Gen Con. Probably. The game just, I don't know. I, I, I like the whole dystopia atmospheres. They're, they're great. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good fun. You know, should we back current, it? Let's back it. <laughs> you back it. I'm not backing it. It's 50 bucks. <laughs> All right, we'll back it as epic turn. Okay, I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> you know what? Okay, I'm gonna just start. I'm gonna hit discover Kickstarter. Yeah, no, it's such a bad Cthulhu Wars. What the hell? Cthulhu uh, Wars it, is I, a strategy horror board game from Lovecraft's classic mythos. Oh my god, dude! Look at the photo. A giant Cthulhu. Yeah, oh my is. god, giant Cthulhu! It's this cool. looks like Risk, but with Cthulhu monsters. Yeah, this is awesome. Okay, the player marker. What? Okay, I gotta know. Wait, here we go. Okay, here's the other thing I want to talk about Kickstarter. Uh, I actually do want to get this into into the show. All right. So one thing one thing I wish more companies did when they're producing, you know, they're getting their Kickstarter ready to go, is I understand we have the pledges on the left. I mean, on the right side of the screen. Mm-hmm. I love when a company goes for the twenty five dollar tier. 
here's what you get and you give you pictures. I love <laughs> what I'm actually going to get. Okay. So what, what you're telling me is you're lazy and you want pretty pictures. I love pretty pictures. I love pretty pictures too. Um, no, uh, this game actually looks kind of cool. No, so it's not it's not a board game. What it is is it's a you buy you have to get your factions and it's a faction based game. So it's it's kind of like it's uh, Warhammer. It, yeah, it's kind of like Warhammer esque. Yeah, I mean that's essentially what it is like. Because look, if you look at the fifty dollar level, mm-hmm. choose Great Cthulhu, the Black Goat, the Crawling Chaos, Yellow Sign, and then if oh, you get wow, Ultis level is one hundred fifty dollars. You get all of that plus the game boards, and they have a Kickstarter exclusive that you can get. Yeah, I don't think I'm willing to do 150 for this. It looks awesome, but man, I, I never played Warhammer for the for the reason I, I I like not being broke. Oh well, here's a good thing: they're going to be at Gen Con, so guess what? We'll just see them at Gen Con and try it out. Yeah, I'm going to click remind me so we can talk about it in 24 days and see how insane their goal already is. Here, here they are; they started on the seventh. Yeah, yeah. Right. So six days in, and they are at almost half a million dollars. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else do we see here? Um, let's see. Popular this week because that's always the best way to do it. All right. Here's no, it's <laughs> Raging Heroes, the toughest girls of the galaxy. That sounds so much like you. Chaos Ball. Is this another Misotonic? No, I I don't know what it is yet. Um, OVA, the anime role playing game. Uh, that looks kind of interesting in a sense. Yeah, I don't know about that. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Epic Turn. You can find our show notes at epicturn.com forward slash episodes forward slash one. You can follow us on Twitter. Brian can be found at, at Kelton, myself at Telshin. If you liked our show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week for another Epic Turn. Ah, I never should have gone on Kickstarter. Why? Now you shouldn't actually. You should never go. Like, you never go shopping. Like, no, no. The Pixar. Ministry Initiative: Steampunk Role Playing and Fiction. No, no. I've backed too many steampunk projects, and they've all sucked. I have no hopes for anything worth a damn in terms of steampunk. I just don't. I'm just saying. I just don't. But I like steampunk. It's cool. I, I like steampunk too, but it doesn't mean it's gonna be good. <laughs>